It's a time of great victory. Your past does not have to dictate your future. We are on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. God's got something better for you. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. I want to talk to you today about being battle ready. Battle ready. What do you think about when you hear that term, battle ready? What goes through your mind? Get ready to fight, huh? <laughs> battle ready. Can you be battle ready? Can you ever be ready for a battle? The Apostle Paul told Timothy uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, some of the things that he was telling Timothy. Uh, Paul is in, in prison in Rome. He's about to be beheaded, and he's given some instruction to this young preacher. And he tells Timothy, he says, fight the good fight of faith, or the NIV says, fight the good fight of the faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Wow. Uh, is there a good fight? Well, there is in the Lord when it's a fight of faith. How, what does that mean? It's, it's in what we believe, what we've received, what we have heard of God that tells us that that will be challenged. And you might have heard me say before that faith is not faith unless it's tested. Faith is not faith unless it's tested. Authenticated, proven, tested. When I was younger, I used to take some courses in pottery and, and um, uh, also in ceramics. And, you know, you make, oh, yeah, I love that. I love that kind of stuff. And uh, used to, you know, you'd make that up out of the ceramics and then put this stuff around it. It was a glazing compound, which always looked kind of weird. But then you put it in the, in the kiln, and it would fire it up, and it'd come out with different, a different color. It looked really cool. And it was hard then. It was durable. It was, uh, you know, it was usable. Beforehand, if, you might just hit it with your fingernail, and you'd you know, gouge it, put a scratch on it or a scar on it. It was soft. It wasn't really uh, durable at that time. And I thought many times about how that's like our faith, you know. It has the shape. It has the, it, the form. It has the look. But not, in fact, even with the, the glazing, let's say, on it, it's, it's all right. It kind of doesn't even really look right. But once it's gone through the fire, Oh, I don't know. Y'all heard me today. <laughs> Once it's gone through the fire, it comes out durable, tested. It's proven. Now it's usable, fit for the master's use. Now it's durable. It can be used. And actually, maybe even knock it off, it might even survive that, you know? So it's ready now to, to take its place to be what it was created to be. Well, you know, we are the clay and God's the potter and he molds us and he makes us. But you know, we're really not authenticated. We're not um, fit until we've gone through the fire, until we've been proven. And that makes us durable to withstand certain things around. We're not just so easily, you know, like again, on that clay or that ceramic, when it's fresh, you can just barely touch it. You might scratch it or put a little nick in it or something like that. Well, hey, you know, things bounce off after a while. They, back, back in that day, they were making ashtrays and stuff. Anybody ever remember ashtrays? Wow, that was a long time ago. But, you know, you put out a cigarette on that thing, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't bother. That was pretty durable. Faith is not faith until it's tested. And it needs to go through that fire to be durable and to bring out the beauty, just like that glazing does once the fire hits it. It brings out this color that you didn't see before. And so, in a sense, we have to be battle-ready because we know that um, we're going to have a fight. 
there's a battle out there with your name on it in case you didn't realize it. You know, well, I didn't want to hear that. That's bad news. No, it's just a warning. You need to, it's the reality. And Paul tells Timothy, fight the good fight of the faith. The fight of faith is a good fight because it's going to produce in us, we're going to come out better than what we were beforehand. So it really is a good fight. And we are, we are, uh, given victory or, you know, victory is ours, but it's not ours until we take it. You know, it's out there. It says that we can have victory, but victory is not ours until we go out and take it. The children of Israel, through the leadership of Jehoshaphat, they were surrounded by all their enemies, and, and God told them basically, go out tomorrow, you know, get the praise team out first, let them take all the brunt of it, and sing to me, worship me, and it says, go out before them and see the salvation of your God. So they had to get ready for the battle. They got battle ready, and they went out there, and God showed up and uh, took care of the enemy. But then they went in, and they, and they finished the job, and they took the spoils, and, man, they were ready for that. Many times, it's not quite that easy. I mean, there's times where, you know, Joshua, and then they went in, and they had to fight, and some, had some trials, and, and, uh, but they came out victorious. Victorious. Didn't mean that they weren't bruised up, a little sore, and maybe a few battles, uh, scars. Anybody have any battle scars in here? Yeah, those are just beauty marks. <laughs> those battle scars are just beauty marks. Now I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 30 and just hold that for a second. You know, one of the dangers, I think, with Western Christianity is that, you know, we are just a little bit casual. Uh, spiritual warfare, what I've observed, and we've had the opportunity to travel to five continents of the world and many countries and have preached in many, many, many areas and countries and in the bush and far out areas. And one of the things that I've noticed is here, we're just a little bit laid back, a little casual. We, we talk about things, but we don't see it. It's not as prevalent. I, I've experienced demonic spirits that were so tangible, you could just feel the presence. And sometimes here, you know, they're more a little laid back. You know, we're a little more sophisticated. And so Satan knows how to handle us here. You know, he kind of just lets us rock ourselves to sleep. Um, <laughs> there have been times when I was almost physically sick there in Mombasa, Africa. I started to get up and I just felt like I, I was about to pass out. And I knew it was a demonic attack. And Sandy and I think it was Tony and Pam, where they, were, they, they, began, they, know, they knew something happened and they began to pray for me. God came in, and that was the service that the Al-Qaeda, a, a group of Al-Qaeda, had seen us going in there, and they followed us there. And They had some ill intentions, but God intervened and ended up, um, two guys got saved, and one guy experienced a miracle in a healing line that we had. But, but you know, it's, and I thought, Lord, man, there's a, what's the difference in here in, in America? And, uh, you know, it's, again, we're just, I think we're just a little more casual, and we don't think that Maybe there really is a battle. And then when the battle comes, it's kind of disguised. And we just think, why did this happen to me? And, and then what we might do is accuse God of bringing it. And like, God, why did you do this to me? Or where were you when I needed you? Everything was going fine. And all of a sudden, all this happened to me. And where were you? Aren't you supposed to keep these things from me? God said he would keep you. Didn't say he would keep the things from you. He said he would keep you in those things. Amen? Uh-oh. We don't like that as well. Uh, you know, we just want to believe that the attack is for someone else. And, you know, I mean, it was some, it, 
I don't know if we get callous, but we watch the news and we hear about things happening and we hear about murders or accidents and all this stuff and we just, you know, we get kind of like a glaze or something over us. But boy, when it happens to us, it's different, isn't it? It's different, isn't it? And so sometimes, you know, we just think that, well, it's, it's for somebody else, it's not for us. And, um, but again, we all have a battle with our name on it. And if you haven't experienced one, you will. And even if you have experienced one, you'll probably experience another one and another one. You know, and we need to face the reality that uh, of the battle, and we need to be battle ready. So it's like, Pastor, so what can you do then? What can you do? Be battle ready. So that when it comes, when that day of evil comes, you'll be able to take your stand. That's Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul says, we don't battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers and high places. And so he goes on to say that, uh, but he says, you know, put on the whole armor of God, that when that day of evil comes, you will be able to take your stand. And when you've done all the stand, stand. In other words, keep on standing. And when, it's, when you've been hit with everything, you'll go ahead and be able to keep on standing. Now, that sounds good, and we shout, but people, there's a lot to that verse. In 2013, I had an experience. I had developed hospital pneumonia and ended up getting back to the hospital and had kind of an experience of where that I didn't know where I was or anything. I woke up in CCU a day or so later, and through that experience, I experienced some battle, some battles, some spiritual battles, and that passage of scripture, Ephesians 6, really became a reality. I lived it in a dimension that it was real. <laughs> it was real. They said they lost me three times. I can tell you exactly in that experience, in the, I'll say in the spiritual dimension where that happened. And I learned some things about that. I'd quoted that scripture, preached on that scripture many times, but it says, but when you've done all to stand, stand, do you know what that means when you've done all to stand? When you're in a battle? When you fought as hard as you could fight? Um, see, that just kind of, it doesn't register until you've been like that little piece of ceramic and you've been put in the fire and all of a sudden that becomes a reality and the glaze comes out of you. Oh, I know what that means. I know what that means. I know what that means. When you've done all, when you've done all to stand. I know what that means. So, Say, well, Pastor, what have you learned of 40 years in ministry? Well, what I've, what I've learned is you can't avoid the battles. You can't be good enough to avoid the battles. You just better be ready for them. You know, it's like with parents, you can't, we try to keep our kids from things, right? Try to keep them from this or keep them from that, keep them from the bad people. And, and rightly so, we're to do that, we're to help. But the reality is, Satan's going to find them somewhere. He's going to bring somebody and something into their life. And so we need to face that so that we are really equipping them that when that time comes, they'll be able to stand. They'll be able to stand alone and, and make a decision that, no, I'm not going to do that. That's really all we can do. The same way that God has to do with us is that he has to help equip us that when that day comes, we'll be able to stand and we'll not fall. We'll not get wiped out. We'll not give up. You know, we'll just uh, be strengthened up. 
So again, you know, the Bible, the Bible says that the victory is ours, the battles of the Lord's. So pastor, what are you talking about? The battle comes, so if the victory is ours, I got the victory. The battle, God's going to fight my battles. He does fight your battles. He does fight your battles. And one of the ways he fights your battles is he tells us through his word what to do to prepare for them when they come. That's helping to fight the battle. He's equipping us. Right? He's, he's raising up an army. He's equipping that army. Sometimes, I mean, he will intervene. He will do things that we couldn't do. But that doesn't mean that there's not a responsibility for us to do. Many, many, many times we see that illustrated through the Bible. So again, victory is assured, but um, you can't win if you don't show up. <laughs> and you can't win if you're not battle ready. You can, you'll be knocked down, possibly try to be knocked out. But... Um, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 1 through 6, I think it's a pretty interesting story there. David was uh, putting together an army. God was dealing with him on some things. God had anointed David many years prior to be king. And that's a pretty interesting story, you know. Uh, people say, well, you know, I had a prophecy over me and God's called me to do such and such. Okay, get ready. Get ready. Start preparing to do that. Because David was anointed many years before he actually sat on the throne. He went through a lot of battles and stuff to get him ready to sit on the throne. So get ready. Whatever God's called you to do, anointed you to do, get ready. Be prepared for it. Be battle ready. Be prepared for that position of ministry. So David was putting this together, and, and they were kind of a, a ragtag group, about 600 men. And they'd been off fighting uh, some of the different enemies. And, and the kingdom at that time was split between Judah and then Israel and Benjamin. And so there was the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. It was a mess. They really didn't need uh, to acknowledge God and, and uh, come and, and allow God to work and raise up someone over them, which would be David. But they've been out fighting. They've been doing what they're supposed to do. Just, you know, doing what they're supposed to do. It reminds me of when, when I mentioned the time in 2013 when I woke up a couple of days later in the hospital. We were, I was doing what I was supposed to do. We had a men's retreat. We were down at Columbus, Texas, and actually sitting in a service. And, man, we were, we were a men's retreat. And we're doing what we're supposed to do. We're praising God. We're chasing devils and everything else. And all of a sudden, boom, I got hit. I mean, like, what in the world I don't even remember getting home from Columbus, Texas. I was just doing what I was supposed to be doing. Sometimes we're just going down life and doing what we're supposed to be doing for the Lord. And that's what they were doing. And so look at, uh, pick up with me in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1, reading from the New International Version. It says, David and his men reached Ziklag, there's your town, <laughs> reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it. Remember, that's where David was. That's where they were, had their encampment, their settlement, if you would, where they had all their, their, their families, their wives, their kids, all their possessions. That's where they worked in and out of Ziklag, okay? So they were on their way back. They came back to Ziklag. And so when they, it says that they reached Ziklag and um, it says that, uh, that the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it. Okay, so you come up and your house is burnt down to the ground. And had taken captive the women and all who were in it, both young and old. Everybody was gone. Kids gone. 
You know, all your family's gone. Guys, you come home, your house is burnt down, your wife and kids are gone, all your possessions are gone. You're thinking, what in the world? Hey, God, I was out doing, I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do here. And so they came home for that. It says, and they killed, uh, it says, they killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. In other words, the Amalekites took captive the wives and children and, you know, grandparents and, and all the other family members that were there. When David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. Have you ever cried so hard that you don't even have any strength left to cry? David's two wives had been captured, uh, Ahinoam of of Jezreel and Abigail, the the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. (laughs) Well, there you go. That'll solve the problem. So you just got to start to put yourself in David's situation. Just like the other, all the other 600, he comes home and sees his house burnt down, his wife and, and children taken, all, everything's taken from him too. Now the guys are going to stone David because he's the one, they think, well, it's your fault because we were out fighting and you're the one that did all this. Let's just get mad at the pastor. I mean, let's get mad at, at, at <laughs> David. Let's get mad at David. At David. That was the closest thing they had to getting mad at God was God's leader, right? And so they were talking about stoning him. And um, it said each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. So let's take a look at this first part of this. So David's pretty flat. He's, he's weeping just as much as everybody else. He's you know, really distraught at, at this attack. And it says, what did he do? He went and he was strengthened. He found strength in the Lord. That's one of the first things that we need to do. Um, you know, I, I guess the question is, we ought to look at today is, what do you do when the battle comes to you or war comes to you? What do you do? What do you do when war comes to you? What do you do when the war, the battle comes to your marriage. You know? Uh, and you know, you, you've said words and they got a little more heated and louder than what they should have and both of you walk away and you're thinking about where you, you, I'll sleep in this room and she'll sleep over there or I'll just go for a drive and maybe never come back or uh, what do you do when the enemy hits your, the, when the battle comes to your marriage? What do you do when the battle comes to your, your house and your, your kids and either one's uh, taken or sick or got involved in drugs or uh, pregnant out of wedlock? Or what do you do when the battle comes to your kids? Hmm. What do you do when the battle comes to your finances and you walk in and they say, okay, well, you know what? Thursday's your last day. We're cutting back. Whoa. Wait a minute, you can't do that. We just signed the note on a new house. <laughs> I had to get a truck to come to this job, you know, and drive back and forth. I mean, I don't think they're going to take that back. I mean, what do you do when the battle comes to you? What do you do when the battle comes to you? And the doctor says, well, you know, the reports came back and show that you have. Here we go. And you're thinking, what? Why me? What did I do, Lord? 
<laughs> I thought I was doing what you supposed, what I was supposed to be doing. Why me? Why not somebody else? Why, why not Brother Bellyacre or Sister Bucketmouth over here? Why, why about them? You know, why me? Hmm. What do you do in the middle of that battle? Do you start to get a little aggravated at God? And just like the other six hundred, they wanted to stone David. They just got mad at, at anything that represented God because it came to your house. So what do you do when the battle attacks your marriage, your kids, your, your health, your finances, uh, the things in your life? Wow. And again, maybe just right about in the middle of the battle, you know, it doesn't seem that God was anywhere in sight. I mean, where was he when I needed him? And, you know, so what are you going to do? Are you prepared for that? Well, why would I be prepared for that? That's not supposed to happen. You know, I'm a child of God. I'm, I'm doing this. I'm... I'm living right, and I'm going to church. I'm paying my tithes. I'm not, you know, mad at anybody. And why would that? Why would I need to do that? Well, because the fact is that the battle is going to come. The battle is going to come. And so David says, or the Bible says that David found strength in the Lord his God. So the first thing I think of when the battle comes to me, or when I think about being battle ready, and it's something I go over all the time. Okay. Get up in the morning, put on the armor of God, and I need to be ready for the battle today. Jeff, uh, police officers on duty, they, I mean, they're thinking, well, you know, they might have had a boring week. Just running out in the patrol car, sitting around watching traffic or something like that. No. But every day they come in, they put on that bulletproof vest, and they get ready. And they get ready for a conflict, right? You know, there's a couple of them shot the other day. Was it here in Texas or whatever? And they end up having their bulletproof vests on, and so they survived that situation. But if they hadn't been battle ready, they would have been out of here. I learned a long time ago, on a motorcycle, they say, you know, you, you dress for the crash. <laughs> Wait a minute, I'm not going to wreck. Well, of course you're not. You don't plan to wreck, but you dress for the crash. So that if the crash happens, you're dressed for it. You're ready for battle. You're ready for it. Amen. Amen. That, that pavement, it's not too forgiving. Sandy and I, we went down in, in Arkansas. We were minding our own business with Chris and Ruth. Big flat Arkansas. We flat went down and went around this corner. We're just driving about 25 mile an hour. But a, a maintainer, a grader, a road grader, road maintainer had come out there, a state operated one, and blew a hydraulic line all over the pavement. I want to tell you something. You talk about something that's slicker than snot on a glass doorknob. <laughs> hydraulic fluid. <laughs> and here we go. Around this, just enjoying everything, just, just cruising, listening to those old Reinhardts on that Harley, just, just humming. And all of a sudden, slick. I'm like, I'm like going, uh, what just happened? Sliding down the highway. Thank God I was dressed for the crash. I had on this uh, little backpack behind us, one of those camelback, you know, it has water and stuff in it. Slid all the way through that whole thing down to close to my back. In fact, the belt I have on now has a little bit, some slide marks on it. My, my boots slid clear through those things. And uh, everything's okay, except I did have, I didn't have on, I did have just a short sleeve shirt on, I guess. Or, no, I had a long, but it slid through and got my elbow pretty good busted Sandy's uh, collarbone. But man, our helmets, you should have seen those helmets. They were just scraped up and chipped up, and, but we were dressed for the crash. So I remember my head going down there hearing this interesting sound of, 
took that old helmet off, man, it's just all scratched all up. But man, I'm sure glad that's not my head. Ready for battle. How do you do that? You're not expecting it, right? You're not, but you got to plan for it because this might be the day of when Satan pulls your number and says, hey, let's just go check out old John and see if he's ready today. Hmm. So the first thing that I do is I look up. If I'm going to be battle ready, and I think that's what David did. He looked up and, and uh, to see who, who is in charge of all this. Who can I go to? I can go to the Lord. You know, a lot of times we think, well, uh, it was something that I did, or the devil will try to make you think that it was something that you did that brought this. God's mad at you, and, and he'll try to bring that, or try to just make, think, make you think that God doesn't care, and he doesn't care about you. Who are you anyway? Hebrews 12, 2 said, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher or perfecter of our faith. Wow, let us see Jesus. He's the one that authors our faith. He perfects it. He, he designs it. He gets it just right for us. Now, remember that faith is not faith until it's tested. So he authors the faith for us that we're going to need in a difficult or in a battle but that faith isn't going to be, let's say, proven just like that ceramic item isn't complete until it's fired and now it's ready. So Jesus completes that. And so Satan, he's watching and says, well, we need to take that away. Because if he does get that kind of faith, if he is that, you know, if he is a strong believer and strong faith, then he's really going to be a threat to us. Let's take him out now. Hmm. So you need to look up to see who is it that we serve in the 144th Psalm, David said in verse 1, he says, Praise be to the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. He is my loving God and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield, in whom I take refuge, who subdues people under me. Hallelujah. That's who God is. <laughs> Some, that'd be a really good place to praise God right there. <laughs> Hallelujah. He says, I'm looking to God. He's the one that loves me and cares for me. He trains. Oh, what? He trains me for battle? Hmm. He trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. He's training us. He's equipping us. He's given us his word to, to begin to, to study this thing out and begin to prepare ourselves and become battle ready. But we need to realize that he loves us. He said, he is my loving God and my fortress, my stronghold, my deliverer, my shield in whom I take refuge, who subdues people under me. That's who God is. And so when the devil's trying to tell you that, hey, you know what? This battle comes because you did something wrong. You messed up. No, God don't love you. If you'd have been this or that, whatever, God might love you a little bit more but because of that. That's why this battle's come. No, 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 no. You might not have done anything. You just mind your own business. Just like David and those 600 men, they were doing what they were called to do, what they were supposed to be doing, and they come home and boom, the battle has hit. God doesn't bring it, but God will use it. You need to remember that. God doesn't bring it, but God will use it. All things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. If God be for us, who can be against us? And just because he's for us doesn't mean he's going to keep us out of this thing. This battle hits. It's going to happen. That's life. 
That's the way it is. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. But the good news is, is that we can be battle ready and so that when it happens, we can have, be victorious and we can gain uh, a, a, a new sense of glory, I guess, if you want to say. And just like that little ceramic thing when it's fired. Now it's, it's durable. Hey, it, it's actually functional now. You can actually use it now. Don't have to be so delicate. Do you know Christians that are so delicate that you can't, you, you have to be careful around them? You might just, you know, you, you might smudge them. They, they're so tender, they might just a little, leave a little smudge on them. It'll last forever. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, guys, toughen up a little bit. <laughs> Isn't that what you want to tell them? Grow up or get fired up. <laughs> fired up. And uh, James... He's the brother of Jesus that wrote this, the, the, the epistle of James. And his, he starts out, the first chapter, the second verse, he says, Consider it pure joy, brothers, <laughs> whenever you face trials of many kinds. Really? That kind of joy that's a deep inner rejoicing. It's not one of those, oh boy, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, a, okay, you know what? We're going to come out of this thing better than we went into it. A deep inner rejoicing that trusts God and that can praise God no matter what is happening to us or, or what we're going through. He says, consider it pure joy. He says, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Do you know that? Because you won't be able to count it pure joy if you don't know that. And there's times when I didn't know that. <laughs> it was hard to count it joy. Oh, yeah, thank goodness. Somebody stole my truck and all my tools. That actually happened to us in Tulsa. I remember, I've told you this, but when I was little, I'd fall down or have a bicycle wreck. I was the youngest, so I was always, come on, let's go to the store. So I'd ride on the handlebars. Here we go, another wreck. <laughs> my, or my feet get caught in the front spokes or, you know, or, you know scraped up and... Use that methylate or mercuricone, whatever it was, you know. And, and, so, and, and my mom would say, well, just, just thank Jesus. Just thank Jesus. Just praise Jesus. I'm going, okay. <laughs> thank you for hurting me. <laughs> and my sisters who are trying to kill me. <laughs> I'm like, why thank Jesus that I'm sitting here hurt? I just never could figure that out until I begin to, the reality is, in the, while, I'm, while I'm hurting, I can praise him that he's my healer. That now I need him to be my healer, or he's my strength, he's my provider, he's uh, who I need him to be. He's my counselor when I don't understand. He's my, the mighty warrior that's going to lead me in and through the battle. I can praise him in the midst of this. And I didn't understand that all the time. But when you know that this is going to develop you and work perseverance in you, then you can count it joy. That joy that's a fruit of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Listen what the New International Reader's Version. Have you all heard that? Have you read that one yet? One of my hobbies is I just like to read different versions of the Bible. So I'm getting quite a collection now. But this is pretty interesting. I know it's a weird thing, but hey, you know, what else are you going to do if you're a preacher, you know? <laughs> I mean, you know. What's your hang-up? I, I read various versions of, oh, well, you shouldn't read all that, so you need to read the King James. Oh, I'm sorry. I just, you know, I know I'm a bad boy. I've been reading the New International Reader's Version. Oh, God, forgive me. <laughs> but I think it's pretty cool the way it brings out what James says there. <laughs> and uh, it says uh, there in verse 3, it says, your faith will be put to, t to the test. You know that when that happens, 
It will produce in you the strength to continue. When that happens, you know that when that happens, it's going to produce in you the strength to keep on going. Wow, it's going to work out. He says, because you know that when it happens, it's going to produce that in you, that strength, that, that durability that's going to keep you going. Okay, so I need some durability. You know, maybe I'm just a little too uh, wimpy <laughs> as a Christian. You know, so it's going to strengthen me up a little bit. It's going to toughen me up a little bit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Battle ready. That's what it does. It produces it. It helps to make you battle ready. It's going to make you battle ready so that the next time, and when you're battle ready, it's not going to catch you off guard or, hey, you're a little bit more familiar on what to do there. So it says that David strengthened himself in the Lord. You know, there's two types of a test that I found. And I didn't know this for a long time. I thought there was only one that it comes to, to grow you. A trial or a test comes to grow you. But what I've discovered is that there are two types. One comes to grow you and one comes to show you. One comes to grow you and one that comes to show you that when you're at the end of yourself, it's just to show you that, hey, God is all that I need. He's going to help me and he's going to equip me. And, and it shows me a whole new reality and revelation of who God is and who I am in Christ. Hallelujah. And so you can thank God for those tests whenever you see a new dimension of God and his spirit and his strength and his power that's being produced in you and it shows you that and you're like, that's right. I'm a child of God. You look back and you, you think about some trials or tribulations that you went through. Yeah, you grew through it, but it also showed you something. It showed you a whole new dimension of who you can be and who you are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah shows you that the, when you get to the end of yourself, it's the beginning of God. So I want to get to the end of myself real quick so that God can take over, and, that, and that's where God begins. See, that's why that he says the, the victory is yours, the battle is mine. So when we get to the end of ourself, he, that's where God begins, and, and he does it. He works in us and through us and around us and those that he's put in contact with us and through his word as we declare it. And all these Weapons of our warfare. Hallelujah. So the first thing to be battle ready is look up. Look beyond the difficulties and see God and all his possibilities. That's why, why do you think David could go out there and face that giant? It's because he didn't see the giant. He saw God a bigger than the giant. He said, you know, today you're coming down, Bigfoot. And, you know, because of, of who God is, almighty God, he saw God in this thing. So look beyond the difficulties, look beyond the problem, look beyond the battle, and see God in all his possibilities. Somebody ought to praise God there, too. <laughs> Hallelujah. In Psalm 18, listen how David expresses his experience. And this is what he did in verse 31 through 40. In Psalm 18, David says, For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. You see, David going through these battles, it not only did it grow him, but it showed him who God is and who he is. Verse 33, he makes my feet like the feet of a deer. Sure, you know, going up that rough spot. And he says, um, uh, he enables me to stand on the heights he trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You give me your shield of victory and your right hand sustains me. You stoop down to make me great. 
you broaden the path beneath me so that my ankles do not turn. I pursued my enemies and overtook them. I did not turn back till they were destroyed. I crushed them so that they could not rise. They fell beneath my feet. You armed me with strength for the battle. You made my adversaries bow at my feet. You made my enemies turn their backs in flight. And I destroyed my foes. Wow. Look up. Look at God and see how great he is. Come on, give him praise this morning. You ought to take about a five-second praise break today. Somebody praise Jesus in the house today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For who is God besides our Lord? You just start out the battle that way. That'll scare the devil. <laughs> Why do you think they put the praisers in the front? For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And the devil, the enemy starts back, uh-oh, uh-oh. It's more than just them. They got God with them. You don't think the devil knows who God is? Absolutely. He's just counting that you don't. <laughs> he knows who God is. He's counting on it that you don't know who God is in all that. And David says, for who is God besides the Lord? Hmm. Whoa. And the enemy says, uh-oh, we're in a heap of trouble. And who is the rock except our God? Let's go take care of this. Battle ready. Look up and see God and all he is and his strength and his almightiness, if we can say that. Oh, hallelujah. And man, that ought to get you strengthened to get ready to go. But that's not all. That's not all. You got to realize, okay, when I look up, I'm saying, okay, well, it's not necessarily what I did or didn't do, whatever. It's the battle's coming. But I see God and all his goodness and all that he is and that you know God didn't come he's not mad at you and he's not trying to knock you down God's going to propel you oh there's a word for you somebody needs to receive that God's going to propel you he's going to launch you he's going to bring you up more he's going to release you come on boy y'all ain't getting that I'm going to take that I'm getting ready for something good I'm getting ready for something better I'm, I'm getting ready to walk into a realm that I've never walked in before why is that, Pastor? Because I'm battle ready. And God, I know God doesn't bring some of the challenges that we went through this year. But if Satan's that nervous, something good's coming. God's about to propel me. He's about to propel you. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? Man, blessings are coming. There's a good place for a praise break, too. I don't know what's happening here today. Y'all need to wake up just a little bit in God's house today. You ought to just praise God for every time the devil failed. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, you know, the children of Israel, when things would happen, they begin to praise God and say, oh, you were the one that delivered us from the Red Sea. You're delivered, the one that delivered us out of the hand of the enemy. And they begin to praise God, but what they were doing was reminding the devil of every time he failed and said, you're getting ready for a big failure here. Hallelujah. So that's what we need to do. Go get battle ready. Listen to what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6, verse, beginning with verse 10. He says, finally, after writing this book of Ephesians on doctrine and duty and how the church of the living God now is to, to be strong and the bride of Christ. And he, so after writing all that, he sums it up and he says, finally, be strong in the Lord. <laughs> okay. Wow. 
Paul, I'm getting a little nervous. You're talking like that. You're telling me that I need to be strong. That means that something's coming that I need to be strong for. And he's basically saying, you better be battle ready. Now, I told you all that. That's to equip you. Now, you know what you need to be doing. You know what you ought to be putting on. You know what you need to have. And now you need to be battle ready because he says, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You know, you could just take that one line, that one verse, verse 10. If you would live that, live that verse every day of your Christian life, you'll walk in victory. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. But to do that, we have to take all these other things, you know, taking in the word and understanding his word and gaining wisdom from it and, and being filled with the Spirit and walking in the power of God. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Not just part of it, but put on the full armor. And it's not your armor, it's God's armor. I've heard people say, well, I got my armor on today. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's that Walmart stuff, that, that plastic stuff they sell around Halloween. Yeah, that, that, you're looking sharp, buddy. <laughs> but that ain't going to get you nowhere, I can tell you that. <laughs> On our dramas, we, we went through a phase of, um, I guess you could say evolution. We evolved. We went from uh, black skirts and red capes to plastic armor. To finally say, you know what, that ain't, we need to be portraying something different and begin to get real stuff, real stuff, you know. It's kind of the way it is in our life, you know. A lot of times we don't really understand all of it. He says, you put on the full armor of God. And uh, he says, so that, you can, uh, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The dark side is going to try to come and get you. <laughs> you better let the force be with you. Let me tell you that. <laughs> the force, the power of God. All right. I mean, how many Star Wars fans we got out here? Yeah, y'all. Don't y'all be so spiritual. You know. Don't act like you don't. I had to go with Thursday night and see it. I, you know, Christian bought tickets about three months ago. So okay, I went with Christian. It was all right. I, I'm really. Now, don't shoot me. I'm really not a big Star Wars fan, but hey, you know, it's all right. You know, he is, so I, we had fun together. But, you know, they are, I know they're talking about other things, but I, I just take it and I translate it the way I want it. Yeah, the force. I'm going to be filled with the, with the power of God, the force of God, the power of God's going to be with me. Look out, dark side. <laughs> Lightsabers? Oh, yeah, I got the Word of God here. <laughs> yeah, of course I do. <laughs> Boy, what, watch this. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take you out. <laughs> Praise God. All right. I know. Y'all need to pray for me, huh? <laughs> so how do you be battle ready? Look up. First of all, look up. Get strengthened in Him. See Him in all of His power and all of His glory. The second thing is wise up. You better wise up. Look at that in First Samuel chapter 30, verse 7. The first thing that David does, okay, so he strengthens himself in the Lord. And then it says, verse 7 of First Samuel 30. Then David said to uh, Abathar, he says, uh, who was the priest, he says, um, bring me the ephod 
And uh, he brought it to him. And David, verse 8, says, And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? The first thing he says, Okay, I need wisdom from God. So we look up to God and find our strength in Him and realizing who He is and who we are. The second thing is, I need to get some wisdom from God. I need to wise up here. I need to inquire of God. I need to seek Him and for His direction, for His will here. In verse or chapter 5 of Ephesians, verses 15 through 18, it says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. That means that battle is an opportunity, making the most of that battle. If you're battle ready, it's an opportunity, right? So he says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil, okay? So he says, you better wake up. You better understand that a battle's coming, and, uh, and you, you need to, to, don't be unwise, don't be foolish, but be wise here, making the most of every opportunity. So when it happens, ask God for direction. In fact, that's what James even says when he says, you know, uh, count it all joy <laughs> when, these, when you face trials of many kinds. Next thing he says, if anybody needs wisdom here, ask of God. He gives liberally. It's like, wisdom? I, I don't need wisdom. <laughs> I need help, <laughs> you know? Just help me. I don't need any wisdom. Oh, yeah, we do. So that's the second thing is you better wise up. Get wisdom from God to know what to do in this situation, to turn it from something that's going to be overwhelming to something that's overcoming, something that's going to be a blessing and produce something in you and launch you forward. So he says, therefore, do not be foolish. Verse 17, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So David, the first thing he did is he inquired of the Lord, hey, we've got to find out what the will of God is here on this. Really? <laughs> Why don't you just go back in your tent and, and just hang out there for a while? Um, you, know, you better get out of town. These guys are getting ready to, to stone you. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go find me someplace else. No, he said, let's find out what, the, God, what God's will is here. He says, not, do not get drunk on wine. Don't, don't go out and, you know, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, oh, that'll help. That'll really help. Find your strength in something else or try to find direction in something else, you know, and whatever substance that it might be. But he says, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Be piloted, governed, completely controlled by the Spirit of God. Wise up and let the, be filled with the Holy Spirit so he can direct you onto what God's will is in this battle that you are facing. If you want to be battle ready, you better look up and you better wise up. You better have some wisdom. Know that God has a plan in this, that God, he's going to work it for your good. Now then know how God's going to turn it around and work it for your good. Hello. Getting real quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. Understanding, he says, that uh, instead, he says, uh, uh, but don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Understanding simply means discover and do the will of God. Discover it and then do it. Sometimes we discover it, but we don't do it. We're hearers of the word, but we're not doers of the word. We discover, but we don't do it. You got to do it. <laughs> not, just under, not just hear it, but understand it. So that complete understanding is when you discover it, and then you begin to do it. So you better wise up. Number three, let's move on here. We're getting short. You better dress up. You look up to God. You better wise up, and then you better dress up. Put on that whole armor of God. You better get dressed for battle. Like I said over the motorcycle, dress for the crash. <laughs> The first time I've gone down riding motorcycles since I was 10 years old, first time we've ever went down on the highway. So I might say, man, this never ever happened. 
must put on my Under Armour shorts and my low ride uh, shoes and or my flip flops and just go out here and just enjoy the breeze. Oh yeah, I did that. <laughs> you know, I used to ride like that and, and think it was okay. But you know, I got to. I heard that guy say one time, "You better ride for the crash." Hmm. Dress for the crash. Well, you better dress up. You better, uh, he says there in verse 13, and this is from the New International Reader's Version, Reader's Version. It says, so put on all of God's armor. Evil days will come. But you will be able to stand up to anything. <laughs> yeah. He says, and after you have done everything you can, you will still be standing. You know, it puts it the way that in the Greek, that's really what it says in the Greek translation. It says, look, you, the evil days are coming. You better put on God's armor, the whole armor of God, because evil days are coming. And then when you do that, you'll be able to take your stand. And then, you know what? You can be able to stand up to anything and keep on standing. Wow. Dress up. Dress up. Get dressed up. Be, be battle ready. So what's up with that? I'm battle ready. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. So be dressed up. Then you better be prayed up. Okay, are you with me now? No, we went past three points. Usually, if three points you can remember, look up, wise up, dress up. You ready for this fourth one? Everybody concentrating? Everybody with me this morning? Prayed up. Be prayed up. There, again, back in, in Ephesians, that sixth chapter, verse 18, and pray in the Spirit. So that way you're praying in accordance with God's will because the Holy Spirit is directing you to pray now in God's will and having an understanding that's beyond your ability to know and reason because we're not battling against flesh and blood. This is not something that just happened. This isn't just, you know, happened. It's that Satan designed it and devised it and schemed and brought it on me. And so i got to understand it from a spiritual basis, not from an a natural basis. So I need to pray in the Spirit because the Holy Spirit knows, God knows, the Holy Spirit knows God's will. And when I pray in the Spirit, then I begin to pray with the understanding. He reveals it to me. Come on now. He, so it says, and pray in the Spirit, verse 18 of chapter 6, Ephesians, on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Don't only just pray for you when you're battle ready, but you know what? Probably the battle is going to involve somebody else. You ever know that? I remember when my daughter turned 15, I think it was 15, you know, 15, wow, you've arrived. Yeah. It's my life. It's my life. I'll live it. It don't affect anybody else. Oh, yeah. Well, three kids later <laughs> and a lot of struggles, it's affected everybody. Talking about Alicia, some of you know her. And not only did it affect her parents, it affected people. It affected everybody, right? So you better pray for all the saints because their trouble is going to be your trouble. Your challenge, your challenge is going to affect somebody. It's going to have these ripple effects. It's going to affect somebody else. We lost our son just this last, a few weeks ago. Not only did it affect us, you know, Charlie was his, his uh, youth leader. And Charlie and, and Nancy knew Jared from real little, you know. We came in here in 81. affected them. It affected everybody that knew him. It affects, you know, that's why that you see funerals and all these people come. It affects everybody. 
So pray not only for yourself, but you pray for other people, what they're going through, because what they're battling, what happens to them in battle is probably going to affect you. And you, if you're really in fellowship with them, you're going to jump in that battle with them, right? Not run the other way. It's like, oh, wait a minute. I didn't know we were supposed to have a fight. I thought everything was going to be fine. <laughs> like that one lady that went to that concert up in Nebraska. <laughs> this is way back when we were traveling around singing. We sang with this one group, the Blackwood Brothers. They sing up in, in that area. And so we, we lived in Kansas. We, we'd do some stuff up to that area. So they would always have this football field where they had the, the stadium and sing. And so we were a group before then to come on and sing. And, and uh, it was funny. Later they were talking about that. They decided that time, that year, they were going to charge because, you know, to help pay expenses, cover expenses. This one lady comes in and, and they said, you know, the tickets are $4. She says, $4? Well, I didn't bring any money. I thought it was going to be a free will offering. <laughs> Just goes to show, right? So when the offering plays pass by, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't bring any money. It's just a free will offering, right? Yeah. So, you know, well, I didn't know it was going to be a fight. I didn't come to fight. I just came to, you know, show up, show my, show how good I look in armor, <laughs> you know, just to show how good I look, you know. When we were in Tulsa, the church there in Tulsa, well, of course, Rama Bible Institute's there and or Roberts University and a lot of people come from all around to go to school there. And so our, our church would get a lot of these students, and, and it was just so funny. Uh, a lot of these Rhema students would come in, first-year Rhema students, and you could just tell as they started to go through like that first semester, boy, they were like, yeah, yeah. And, well, you don't say that. You just say it's not going to happen and, you know, all this stuff. They were just so, you know, real strong in faith, which is good. I mean, you need to have your faith built up. We went on a missions trip, me and the Another guy was going down into Mexico, into the interior, way down on the other side of Mexico City to take some items down there to them. And so this one guy, fresh Raymond student, well, actually it was the end of the first semester, and he was always talking about faith. And I said something about um, when our third child was, when Jessica was born, saying he had a complete placenta previa and all this stuff. Well, you should have just spoke to that placenta and told him to go back in. Yeah, okay. How many kids you got? <laughs> and uh, so it was all this stuff. And he was just all this faith, faith, faith. First time when we got in the mountains, we we're going up the mountains and we blew a head gasket in our vehicle. And he just started freaking out. Oh, my God, we can't stay here. You can't stay on the side of the road in this part of Mexico. People will kill you and all this stuff. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait, buddy. Wait a minute. God's with us. <laughs> Let's just push the car out over here. We'll just sleep and get up in the morning. We'll find a way. Oh, no, we can't. He was just crazy. He finally, I mean, went to the next town was uh, St. Louis Potosi, I think it was. He was like, yeah, I got a bus. I got to get a bus back to America. It's like, man, chill out. Yeah. So he went on back. We went ahead and did what we needed to do, but he was just freaking out. I was like, man, you look good. You talk good. But when the, when the battle comes, they're out of there. You know, well, so don't be that kind. You know, you, you need to understand, you need to wise up and you need to dress up and say, you know what, I'm ready for this thing. If it happens, I'm here and I'm here with you. I'm going to stand with you and we'll see this thing. When David was fighting the enemy in that bean field, the only body that came to him was Eleazar, I think it was. And back to back, they faced the, you understand? They would, so back, back to back and they fought and it's where it says that his hand froze to the sword because they'd been fighting, the fighting was so intense. Two guys... Two guys. Wow. That's a guy. That's a true friend right there. That's a true friend. 
So not only just pray for yourself, but you pray for other people. And pray for God to, to encourage them and strengthen them. And then if they're going through a battle, then you'd be battle ready and jump in there with them. Hello. Hmm. See how many battle ready people that we have. Oh, I'll be right there. Let me go back and check and see what I got to do. And, and you, I, I got to read a few more chapters and figure out what I got to, I got to, you know, well, forget it now. <laughs> they already burnt the village and captured all the people and they're gone. You know, it's like, wow. Prayed up. So look up and wise up, dress up, pray up, gear up. Gear up. What's the difference in that and dressing up? Gear up is to take your, your weapons with you. <laughs> you can look real sharp in all that battle gear, but if you don't take some of the weapons with you, you ain't battle ready. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. Where's my, where's my weapon? <laughs> Hold on. Stop the battle just a second. We got to go get our weapons. Oh, yeah, right. You ever tell the devil that? <laughs> he just laughs and just overwhelms. No, you better be geared up. The weapons of our warfare, they're not cardi, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Man, you are equipped for battle. He trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. I'm ready. Wow, if it's a slingshot, I'm ready, man. I got my weapons. I mean, it don't look like much of a weapon, but it's a, it is whenever your hand has been trained. Yeah, and your fingers trained. You can take that thing and you can deliver it, but you better take your weapons with you. Gear up. Know that, that the weapons are our prayer. It's the word of God as we declare it. It's the fellowship and unity of believers as we lock together, knowing that one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. It's how we declare the word of God. It's, it's using those things in battle. Hallelujah. The weapons that I, again, international readers version. The weapons I fight with are not the weapons the world uses. In fact, it is just the opposite. My weapons have the power of God to destroy the camps of the enemy. Wow, yeah. Let's just go deliver some destruction here. <laughs> yeah. You know, you ever get up in the morning and say, I want to destroy something. <laughs> I mean, there's been times when I've been, I've prayed and, and the, I can just sense the armor of God on me. And I'm like, I, I'm going to kick something. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, I, I'm going to just jump out, devil. <laughs> you know? I mean, you ought to be bad already. You know, we don't go around chasing demons, but boy, one jumps out, he's dead. He is dead because we're ready and we've we got a job to do. So which brings me to the final point. Did you lose track? We're on number five now, or number six. I know that's a lot of points, but we're getting them in. Be fired up. Not the kind of, that kind of fire, but really it's filled up with the fire of the Holy Spirit. We're like those cloven tongues of fire that descended upon the upper room that day. Get fired up. You ought to get fired up. I am ready. I mean, you ought to be enthused, which means in, enthused, which means God within. God ought to be so strong in you. The Holy Spirit ought to be so strong in you that, man, that there's no backing up. There's no shutting up. There's no, you know, until you stay up, until you go up, when you finish this, this battle that's, that's before you. Hallelujah. Joel said this. In Joel chapter 3, verse 9, he says, Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Rouse the warriors. Let all the fighting men draw near and attack. He says, come on, rouse them up. Get up here. Get fired up. We're about to go into battle and take out some demons. We're about to take back some ground, what's been stolen. We're about to regain what the devil has taken. Oh, somebody ought to just give God about 15 seconds of praise in, the, in his house today. Hallelujah. 
We need to get fired up. If you're going to be battle ready, you're not like, oh. You're not sitting around and moping around somewhere. You're like, devil, you, no, you don't even want none of this. You don't want none of this. <laughs> you're fired up. Say, you know what? I'll take you clear, clean out of here. And you say, well, pastor, you, you, are you sure? Look at this. In, they're back in 1 Samuel chapter 30. Verse 17, it says, David fought them from dusk until evening the next day. Did you get that? From dusk this one day to all through the whole day the next day, all through the night, all through the next day until the evening that next night. He fought them, it says, uh, and none of them got away except 400 young men who rode off on camels. <laughs> I let them go. They ain't nothing anyway. <laughs> David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken. Got back what he recovered, what was taken, but he also got something else. David brought everything back. He took all the flocks and herds, and his men drove them ahead of the others, the livestock, saying, this is David's plunder. He even gained what, more than what the devil had taken. Oh, you need to get, somebody needs to get excited. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus said, but I've come that you might have life. Zoe, the life, the God kind of life, and have it to the full. Hallelujah. What the thief steals, he's got to give back sevenfold. And I read the rest of that. It says, and everything in his house. <laughs> I, I stopped saying, well, I'm going to take sevenfold back. <laughs> and that was, okay, yeah, there it is right there. And he's hiding all the uh, no, We're cleaning your house out. That teach you to come mess with us. Oh, teach you to mess with us. The wealth of the wicked's laid up for the righteous. Amen. Somebody needs to realize God's about to propel you. God's about to bless you. Hallelujah. 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 Fight a good fight of faith, Paul told him. Fight a good fight of faith. It's a good fight. It's a good fight. It's a good fight because you're going to gain some, not only for this world, but for the world to come, for, for the, the age to come. Hallelujah. So get battle ready, people. You better get ready for it. And when you come out victorious, let me tell you something. You're going to have a few battle scars. You're going to come out of battle. You're going to be a little wounded. You're going to have a, little ba a few battle scars there. In the Amplified Version in Galatians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul said this. He says, uh, I bear on my body the brands or the marks of the Lord Jesus, the wounds, scars, and other outward evidences of persecutions of my battles. He said, I, I bear these marks on my body. He says, these testify to his ownership of me. He said, you know what? I got scars. I got some battle scars here, but I'm going to turn my scars into stars. You know, what does that mean, Pastor? It means when it's dark, 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 those stars just shine out and it's so beautiful. Wow! Those aren't scars or beauty marks. You want know, to tell you something? Jesus went through a battle. It was called the cross. And he went there and it says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And by his stripes, by his stripes, we are healed by his scars. I want to tell you, he's got some battle scars, but he turns those things around and he brings about victory. You need to let the battle scars of the battles that you've been through direct your life and begin to give direction and, and give glory to God of what he can do in the midst of the battle. Come on, stand with me this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Oh, he's got some battle scars, but I want to tell you something. He releases those, and he says, now because of these battle scars, you can be healed. You can be set free. You can be a child of God. 
They mean something. So your wounds, your battle scars can do something for somebody else. Stop whining about it and start wondering why God uh, let this happen. Don't throw a pity party. You get up and be battle ready and say, you know what? This ain't catching me off guard. Yeah, you know what? I didn't really expect that to happen, but that's okay because I know who God is. Like the Apostle Paul, I know in whom I have believed. And that he's able to keep me against that day when that battle comes. Hallelujah. And then you let your scars shine out and say, hey, I'm going to tell you something. Yeah, you might go through that battle, but you can come out of that thing. Yeah, look at that one right there. Hey, they thought they had me, but man, that came out. And let me tell you what happened during that time. I met a person and I was able to pray with them. I mean, blah, 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 blah. And God got glory out of it. Hallelujah. That's where your testimony comes. They always say, you know, you can't get a testimony without a test. Out of that and out of those scars, they can become scars. Or they can become stars that shine through that dark and bring about something beautiful into you, not only your life, but into other people's lives.